Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesco Ainsbury. How are you doing, Francesco? I'm good, thanks, Sam. Looking forward to the semi-finals. Yeah, should be good last four coming up. And James Brook, how are you doing, James? Yeah, good, thanks, Sam. Nice to be back again. Feels like I've been on a, a little break, but enjoying the been enjoying the football. Looking forward to getting back into talking about it, seeing uh, what you guys have made of the tournament so far. Yeah, good to have you back on, James. Uh, as you can tell, I've been enjoying it as well, which is why my voice is a bit all over the place, but hopefully I'll recover in time for the semi-finals. Um, of course, we're going to start with Italy, who uh, who had their quarter-final on, on a Friday against Belgium, the number one ranked side in the world. Francesco, I think you were you were hopeful, but but you weren't sure how this game was going to pan out. But in the end, Italy got a big win. What, what, what did you make of their performance in the match? I thought they were really good, actually. And it played out, I think, how I hoped it would in that, you know, I think I knew and I think most people thought that Belgium were a really dangerous side. And I think athletically, you know, they kind of had the edge. They've got really quick players. They've got uh, some really strong physical players as well. And I was hopeful that Italy would be able to get the ball down and kind of play around them. And it did play out a little bit like that. I thought, especially at his midfield, you know, I think for the first time this tournament, we've seen Giorgino Verratti and Insigne all play kind of at their best at the same time. And I think that kind of axis of players is so important for Italy to play well. If you look back at the last kind of two or three years since Mancini took over, when Italy have been at their best, it's because the game has revolved around those three players. And I think... We really saw it this in this game against Belgium. And I think, you know, Insignia probably deserves a lot of credit, not just for the goal, but I think of Italy's kind of big players, he's been the guy who's maybe underperformed a little bit so far in this tournament. I know he did score in the first game against Turkey, but he we've not seen the best of him yet until the game against Belgium. I thought he was excellent throughout and, yeah, his goal was fantastic, so... Yeah, it was it was a, a solid performance, I think. Yeah, as you say, with Insigne, had a had a quiet few games really since that Turkey one. I, th- I thought he was particularly poor against Austria, really, and a bit lucky to stay on the pitch for as long as he did. But but he was phenomenal, and it was a really sort of typical Insigne goal, wasn't it, James? Uh, you know, just sort of cutting in from the left flank and then curling it in, and with our camera angle, we were right behind it. It was never going to get saved, was it? Absolutely, yeah. It was a, a what a goal. We've become used to seeing that kind of thing from Insignia, haven't we? And it's it's almost become a bit of a trademark in the way that Robin used to, to cut in on the opposite flank. It's almost an Insignia trademark. When you see him lining that up, you know what's coming next, really. And he has been a little bit kind of quiet in He's taken his time to get into into some games. He's had quite a few sighters in, in a lot of games. And he's an easy player to get frustrated with, I think, when he's not playing well, because he, he does like to take those shots on. And um, he, he, for me, he never hides. He's always there. He's always wanting the ball. He's always showing for it. He's always trying to make things happen. So I forgive him that a little bit when he isn't playing quite as influentially as he, as he can be. Um, but I think the main thing from the quarterfinal, is obviously the loss of Spinazzola, who has been absolutely fantastic so far in the tournament. And I think the, the one, one of the best things about it for Italy has been his relationship with Insigne down that left-hand side. I mean, often it's been a bit of a one-sided relationship. Spinazzola seems to be creating almost everything at times, but 
he does help with Insigne dropping off and, and letting him go beyond him and underlapping, overlapping. So that relationship is something that's really, really um, blossomed over the last few weeks and or last few games. And it'll be interesting to see how kind of how Emerson comes in and and, and does that relationship with, um, with Insigne. But yeah, um, what a goal. And um, the first goal as well. Excellent. So I think what the, the main thing, once Italy got ahead, it never felt like they were going to buckle. It never felt like Belgium could really get close to them. Um, and it wasn't a surprise in the end to, to see to see Italy go through. Yeah, and uh, we'll come back to Spinazzola in a second. But of course, we, we need to touch on Italy's first goal, which was also brilliant, but also a, a little bit comical in terms of in, uh, Immobile lying down in the box, pretending to be injured and then getting straight back up. I know that's received a fair bit of criticism <laughs> from, from the press. Um, you know, I think there's been some people saying this only happens in Italy, which obviously we know that isn't the case, but it didn't look great, did it, Francesco? And sort of, did it maybe tarnish that goal a little bit because it was fantastic footwork from Varela, and then the finish was absolutely perfect into the bottom corner. Uh, it it didn't tarnish the goal for me at all. <laughs> um, I still enjoyed it just as much. With with this kind of stuff, I feel like people are a bit. I don't know. Hypocritical is probably not the right word, but uh, for me, the thing that really annoys me for this kind of for, for footballers pretending they're injured and then being okay is the time wasting. So I don't really care that footballers go down easily. What I care about is when they go into the lead and then they immediately get cramp or they immediately have to lie on the floor. And we did see a bit of that from the Italian team, and I'm not that happy about that. When, when it happens against my sides, it's it's the most frustrating thing in football, I think. And I'd like to see referees do more to try and stop that happening. With Immobile, you know, he didn't really waste any time at all because he got up quickly and ran over to celebrate. So I've got less of a problem with that. I mean, and it was, you know, it's quite funny as well. So, yeah, it didn't take anything away from the from the goal for me. Yeah, fan- fantastic goal from Barella, that's for sure. Um, but looking ahead as well, you know, Immobile, there was that moment, but I, I think he probably had his worst game of the tournament, James. Would that be fair to say? And do you think maybe his place in the side is a threat for this semi-final? Could, could um, Mancini turn to Pelotti or do you expect him to keep faith with Immobile? I think whether whether he could or whether he should are probably different answers. I think he will stick with Immobile. Um Personally, I I would play Belotti. I've been I've been you know chomping at the bit to see him get more minutes. To be honest, and I think Francesco says rightly as well. It doesn't take away from the goal Immobile's antics, but what I think it did take away from, luckily for him, really was a little bit of the spotlight on his actual performance because he was poor. He was just uh, he didn't look at it, and um, too often for me, he, he doesn't look at it. Um, I think going into the tournament, really, for me in particular, the, the one question mark or the biggest question mark it was over who, who plays up front. I know Immobile's got the shirt and he's been so prolific over the last few years, but he still doesn't really feel like you don't feel entirely comfortable with him up front for me anyway. Um, I don't know if, if you guys feel the same, but I, I always feel like he, he can be upgraded on. And Belotti, you know, he, he's going to give, we know what he's going to give you. He's going to give you graft. He's going to give you aggression. Um, he's going to fight for everything, but he's also got quality. And, and I just like to see him given a little bit more of a chance, um, given that I think Immobile is, is not quite firing I, uh, you know, at the start of the tournament, 
and kind of for a while now, I think really since Mancini's taken over and Immobile has more or less been the first choice striker, I've always thought, actually, I think I prefer Bellotti to play because I feel like he might be more suited to Italy's style of football in that they often have a lot of possession and they're quite high up the pitch and there's not much space in behind the opposition for, for Immobile to run into, which is what he gets a lot of when he plays for Lazio. But having said that, I actually think he's had a decent Euro so far and, and I don't think he was that bad against Belgium. I, I think he, he might seem like he didn't have a great game and I think when he got taken off, his last kind of five minutes, he was, I think he was a bit tired and he lost the ball a couple of times and it was probably the right decision to take him off at that time. But for the first kind of hour or so until he came off, he's, he's essentially playing against three centre-backs on his own. Mm. He's doing a lot of work, you know, a lot of running in behind, a lot of, you know, stuff to help the other guys be able to play. So it's probably maybe not his best performance ever and uh, not his most spectacular performance, but I do think that he still put in a good shift and he did contribute to the result. Um, and I would be... I think it would be a bit unfair if if they dropped him now and I personally would would stick with him. He was also recovering from from that injury in the first half for the for the goal <laughs> as well. So you've got to give him you've got to let him off with that really. He was he was running on there on one leg wasn't he for the, for the rest of the match. So now I I I I don't think he will. I don't think he will change it. I can't see him changing it. But just personally, I do really love Belotti. I love watching him play. He's so aggressive, and um, he just every time he comes on, it just gives you it gives everybody a little bit more um, energy. I think so. In that respect, it's good to have him on the bench as well. But yeah, I don't think he will change uh, Immobile. Yeah, perhaps Immobile just stood out a bit more because because of how good the other attackers were. You know, Insigne made him look really bad because he was outstanding. So I guess there's maybe an element of that. Um, but yeah, we're going to touch on Spinazzola. Um, he had another very good game, didn't he? And then picking up that injury with 10 minutes to go. And as soon as it happened, I think we all knew it was a bad one. Um, Francesco, has he been Italy's best player this tournament, do you think? And I think, I, I expect Emerson Palmieri to replace him do you think there's a slight chance Bastoni could come in as a left back he's previously played there for Palmer he plays on the left hand side of the back three for Inter is there any thought in Mancini's head to go in that direction or is it like like an Emerson comes in I, th I think that uh, he probably has been Italy's best player I mean he's had uh, he was probably the best player throughout the group stage he had a great game against Austria he was good again against Belgium um, I and you know it's a real shame that he's he's got this injury, which is different to the injuries that he's been picking up throughout the year. You know, he's it's an Achilles, he's broken his Achilles tendon, so you know, really unlucky and a real shame. Uh, I I would be I know that there have been voices saying that maybe Bastoni should start. I'd be very surprised, and I think it would be a mistake if Bastoni played uh, left back for Italy against Spain. Not because he's not a good player, you know, I really rate him, but I think he is a centre-back. And, you know, I mentioned at the start of the, of the podcast about how Verratti and Jorginho and Insigne create so much play down that left side. And what is key to them creating down that left-hand side is the support of the full-back on that side, making overlapping runs and underlapping runs. And we saw it with Spinazzola against Belgium, but we see it every time those guys play together. Whoever the full-back is on that side has to be offensive. 
for them to be at their full kind of efficacy. And Emerson Palmieri, I know he hasn't played much for Chelsea, but every time he has played for Italy under Mancini, I think he's done a pretty good job. I don't think he's as good at Spinazzola, but I do think he can, you know, contribute. Um, and I think with Bastoni, you know, for me, he's he's the best in terms of distribution, probably the best centre-back in the world. So he can probably do a pretty decent job out on the left, but I struggle to see him making kind of overlapping runs consistently, which I think is what you need for this formation to work at its best. Yeah, I think, as, as you say, Bastoni's best position is is, is that left centre-back position. Um, currently, that's occupied, of course, by Giorgio Chiellini, who came back in on Friday. And he was, he was excellent, wasn't he, James? I think... Um, so crucial to that defence. And and do you feel that he gives Bonucci a massive lift as well? I, from my perspective, I thought Bonucci was much more settled alongside him than he was alongside a Cherby. Um, obviously, those two were partnered together against Austria and Austria did cause them some problems. Yeah, definitely. I've always felt the same about Bonucci. I've never, I've never been fully, I mean, it sounds strange to say I've never been fully convinced by him because he's always, he's a top player, but I always find the best thing about Bonucci is the, is the way he uses the ball. Um, aside from his defensive qualities, I think he, he gives you that great um, composure and, and a, an outlet for, for building from the back. Um, of course, yeah, Chiellini is massive. Um, he was always going to be. He's a, he's a leader. Everybody knows that. He's seen everything in the game. So I think any side, to be honest, whoever whoever you are, you want, you want Chiellini in there. So, yeah, it's not a surprise to see um, his importance to this team, really. I think we all feared the worst when he went off against... Um, who did he go off against Turkey? Was it the first game? I think I think it was the Switzerland game. The, the Switzerland game, yeah. I mean, I certainly thought. Um, I mean, he's come back from injuries in the past, hasn't he? Much worse. But I thought I did have a, a slight worry that it might be slightly more serious. But I think if Italy are gonna gonna win this game and go on to hopefully win the tournament, then yeah, they'll need him playing definitely. Yeah, I think he commented after the game saying that he just stopped himself in time uh, when he came off injured in that Switzerland game. And I think Italy are very glad that he did because he's going to be huge for them over the, well, in the semi-final and possibly in the final. Let's see. Um, but of course, in that semi-final, Italy will be playing Spain on Tuesday night. Spain came through on penalties against Switzerland. It was an awful penalty shootout, wasn't it, Francesco? Some really poor ones. Um, but what did you I make of it? It, oh, it was great fun, poor quality, but great entertainment. Um, yeah. What did you make of Spain on Friday, um, Francesco? Yeah, I mean, they have been intermittent at this tournament. I, I think they struggled really to... I mean, it was kind of a typical, typical Swiss, uh, Spanish performance in that they had quite a lot of the ball. Um, and they did create some chances, but they... You know, even though they scored early on, they weren't able to build on that because you think with Spain, the difficulty for them is going to be kind of scoring that first goal and then they should go on to create more chances and maybe get more goals. But that didn't really happen. And even after the, I mean, after the sending off, which I think was harsh uh, for, for Freuler, um they still weren't able to score. So it's probably not the best performance that's definitely not the best performance we've seen from Spain in this uh, in this Euros. But, you know, I still think they're a good side and because they've been intermittent, kind of one game on, one game off a little bit, hopefully uh, that won't be happening again in the same final where they score five goals again. But um, we'll, we'll see. 
Yeah, it has been a bit of a strange tournament for Spain. Of course, they drew their first couple of games and then, as you say, hit five goals in a couple of games and and then they were sort of back to their wasteful self on, on Friday. Um, I think, yeah, the main talking point from the game, James, was that red card for Freuler. We know Freuler well, of course, from his time in Atalanta. Um, do you think it was a harsh red card? I think that seems to be the general consensus, but but how did you see it? Yeah, it was it was really harsh, really hard. I mean, the way I saw it, he was slightly out of control. I think slightly um, reckless in the way he went in, but it wasn't. His studs were down. It was. I mean, the follow through maybe slightly caught him, but it, it was really harsh. And I mean, as Francesco says, you fully expected Spain to kind of kick on from there and and find the extra gear. And it felt like an inevitability that they'd go on and score, but uh, they couldn't do that. And I don't know. Spain are a really funny team to work out. It's you, you just I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are at the moment, and I think they don't really know what they are. And I think Luis Enrique is trying to figure out where he wants to take the team, and he's missing. I think in one or two areas that he he knows that he he needs to build the team around. If that makes sense, so. It looks like I think they're going to match them up, aren't they? Kind of four three three, so it'll probably be won and lost in in the midfield. And you have to look at look at Italy's midfield, the way they've performed so far in the tournament. And you'd have to think that they have the upper hand, really. Um, I can't for the life of me understand why Thiago isn't playing for Spain. Um, I know I'm possibly slightly biased in that respect, but I cannot understand how he isn't getting more minutes. Um, I think if he plays, any midfield is better. And the way he dictates the play, I think that that would make it difficult for Italy. So, um, But the way they set up at the minute, I can't work them out. And as Francesco says, one good result, one bad result, um, or one good performance, one bad performance. And if we, we go by that kind of um, run, then the next one's going to be a good one. But let's let's hope not. Yeah, of course. Um, as you say, it looks like it's probably going to be a four-three-three battle of the midfields. Um, these two sides love to dominate possession, don't they, Francesco? So, how do you sort of see the game panning out from a tactical perspective? Do you think maybe Italy will give Spain a bit more of the ball, considering it, uh, Spain have looked really uh, quite vulnerable on the counter attack at times, haven't they? Yeah, I, I actually think this match. Whilst I'm not sure that Spain are better than Belgium. I mean, you can argue, you could argue about which team is better. I think the matchup for Italy might be a bit more difficult because, as you say, Italy are a team that of late, for two or three years now, have, have been used to dominating possession regardless of who they've played against. And when they play Spain this week, they're going to come up against a team who could potentially do that to them. Um, I mean, Spain, I think, have had more possession than all of their opponents so far in this tournament, as expected. They might not have been as effective in terms of creating, in terms of scoring goals, but they have had lots of possession. And I think that matchup might be tricky. Um, I, I can't, you know, I don't believe that Mancini will deliberately change tactics and uh, let Spain have more of the ball. It just could be that they don't have a choice because the Spanish side are so good at keeping it and moving it quickly. Um, but if that, if that is the case, then kind of going back to Immobile, he probably is the kind of player who could exploit that kind of space in behind if, if Spain do play a lot of the ball and press higher at the field. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I feel like, though, in terms of a matchup, this is probably a trickier game for Italy than the, than the Belgian one was. Yeah, that, that, well, that's, a, that's an interesting call because obviously Belgium, the, the number one ranked side in the world, but as you say, sort of horses for courses and, and some games are just just trickier. How, how do you see things, James? You know, you said you're not really sure about this Spain 
team. So are you quite confident that Italy will come through or, or do you, like Francesco, feel that even though you're not sure about this team, they, they could cause Italy plenty of problems on Tuesday? Yeah, I think they will cause plenty of problems. I mean, it's tournament football, often the best team um, doesn't doesn't win, doesn't progress. I think, for me, Italy have been the best team at the tournament, played the best football. Um, and that worries me slightly in the, the team that does... I think Belgium were the best team at, that, at the last World Cup. Um, the best team doesn't, doesn't often win in the tournament. So, Spain are a funny side, but they've, they've still got world-class players kind of uh, dotted about who can make a difference. I think it, it's interesting, Francesca, as he mentions, because I think Italy have, have modelled the game almost on that that kind of tiki-taka um, football and then kind of slightly upgraded it or, or quickened the pace of it slightly. So I think it, it, I can't see anything but a really either a really dull game where both teams just kind of pass it about between them or a really kind of exciting game where it's just bonkers and nobody really knows what's going on and um, it could go either way, I think. But yeah, in terms of the result, it could go either way as well. I hope Italy can can kind of keep doing what they've been doing. But when you come up against a side who like to mirror in what you're doing, it is does make it slightly more difficult to play your own game. So um, whether that will lead to Mancini changing it up a bit, as Francesco says, I can't see that. Whether um, Enrique will change it up a bit and maybe throw a wild card in, maybe Adama, everybody's been clamouring for him to get on. Um, that would really set the cat amongst the pigeons. But it's too close to call for me and I can only see um, a penalty shootout either way. Okay. It'll come down to the keepers. And I think Donnarumma is a, a far better keeper than um, Simon. Yeah, well, just, but just Simon, did, Simon did do well on penalties the other day. And um, it was quite, yeah. what, what, what did you think to his technique of sort of moving back and forth up the line? Do, do you like that technique? Sort of leaves the striker guessing quite a bit. Yeah, a bit of a Jersey Dudek, isn't it? <laughs> but, but staying I mean, on his line. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. stood next to Andrea Perlo in that, that penalty shootout. Never forget it. I can't yeah. watch that shootout back because he, he stood virtually directly in front of Perlo when he misses that penalty. And Perlo doesn't even doesn't even appeal, doesn't do anything. His head just goes down. And every time I think, why did you not appeal it? He's literally so close to anyway. That's uh, yeah. beside the point. I think the, the point James makes about Traore is, is an interesting one because if you look at what Doku was able to... I think Doku, who I'd, I'd never seen play before for Belgium, uh, he was really dangerous. And, mm. you know, uh, I know they're not the same, but they are kind of similar in terms of what they have, which is extreme pace. And I think Di Lorenzo, I, I believe, is Italy. He's actually Italy's fastest player, or he's certainly one of their quickest players. And you see how much trouble he had against, against the speed of Doku. So... What James says there about, about possibly bringing Troyer in, that might not be a bad idea for Spain. Um, because I think that is possibly one of the weaknesses of this Italian side. They're probably not the most dynamic team in the competition. Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be a fascinating matchup, and, and maybe we will get penalties at the end of it all. Um, this will be the fourth European Championships on the trot that these two sides have played each other. It's, it's currently 2 1 to Spain in those matches, so maybe Italy can level it up. But um, uh, moving on to the other side of the draw, we have um, Denmark, first of all, who won on Saturday uh, early evening, beating Czech Republic 2-1. Their sort of fairy tale run continues. Um, and what did you make of, of them, James? Uh, deserved winners on, on the evening, would you say? 
I actually missed that game, Sam. I didn't see it. I was I can't remember what I was doing, but I did miss it. But I expected the Danes to win. Um, I think a lot of people had them down as a dark horse before the tournament. Whoever didn't go for Turkey as a dark horse, I think for went sure. for Denmark, um, and that that was the better choice in the end. But they look a good a good unit. You know, it's it's easy to to point to the kind of the story with with Ericsson and everything, which of course is a. Um, it's it's a factor, and um, they've, they've obviously been galvanised by that. Um, but I think if you look beyond that, they do have a lot of quality in the team. They're a really cohesive kind of unit. And um, I think Delaney and Hoiberg in the middle is a really really nice, um, solid kind of midfield. I think Poulsen's got quality. Dolberg's got quality. Mailer, of course, has been um, has been outstanding. So. Yeah, they they look a real side, and and I think it, a lot of people's second team at the moment, aren't they? So, um, yeah. But in terms of the game, I didn't see it. I must say, but it was nice to see shit getting getting a goal again and and knocking Ronaldo off the, or at least kind of knocking Ronaldo off the the top by himself as the top scorer. Yeah, leveling it up with five goals apiece. Um, Patrick Schick, excellent from him. Um, Francesco, I think probably the moment of the game was was Mailer's cross uh, for that second goal. It was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it, with the outside of his right foot? Um, how, how good do you think he is? And, and do you think he could play a massive role at Atalanta next season? Uh, he, I think he is uh, another really good fight by Atalanta. I, I remember the game because he played against Real Madrid in the Champions League and in the first game where they, they almost held on to a goalless draw after, after going down to 10 men early on and he had a great game then as well defensively um and yeah he's got really you know he's he's a good athlete but he's also got excellent quality we saw it with the cross um for the second goal and I think you know I agree with James that probably this team has more quality in it than than you first think uh you know especially after kind of Ericsson what happened to Ericsson you kind of think they've lost their best player and this is almost, it's easy to kind of think of Denmark as a kind of workman-like team, but actually they have got loads of quality. It's not just Mailer, you know, Damsgaard, we've seen him in Serie A. Hoiberg's having a great tournament. We know how good a defender Stephen Kerr is. You know, I think I've been really impressed with Dolberg. I mean, his finish as well from the cross was, was excellent. So they really have some tidy players as well as being, like James says, a, a good cohesive unit. Yeah, I just wanted to mention Damsgaard because... You know, he's not really shown it all that often for Sam, but he he has shown kind of flashes. Every time I watch them, I'm impressed by him. He is, he's very tidy. He's technically excellent. Um, so I could, you know, he to me, he looks like a signing Atalanta would have made. Um, I think under the right kind of leadership, I know Diverse has gone there today, hasn't he been announced? Under the right kind of stewardship, he, he could be a really excellent player, I think. Um, but it's great to see a player like that, someone who's slightly under the radar and he's just um, kicked on. And he's obviously going from strength to strength. Some really, really good performances um, from him. Yeah, as you say, Damsgaard sort of come into the team the last few games and been really good. Scored a, scored a lovely goal against Russia, of course. Um, and then moving on to the last quarterfinal, we had England taking on Ukraine and England getting a dominant win 4-0. Um, come to you first, Francesco, on this one. I think so far this tournament, we've seen that England are very solid at the back. They keep keeping these clean sheets, but we maybe were waiting for their attack to click into gear. It, it did seem to on Saturday night. Are, are they now Italy's biggest threat for the Euros, do you think? Um, I think, well, right now I'm still worrying about Spain. <laughs> but England are obviously, uh, 
they I mean they look a complete side I think I've probably been most impressed by the fact that they just don't concede goals they they look extremely solid um and you're right yesterday they you know their attack hurricane in particular really came to life I think the fact that they were able to score so early on as well and just kind of completely throw Shevchenko's game plan out um, really helped them. But yeah, they looked really good yesterday, England. And the other thing that's impressive about them is I feel like they don't even, I mean, they played well yesterday, but they don't really have to play well to be able to hurt you. Um, I feel like they've got lots of ways of scoring goals. Like we saw, you know, even in on set plays, they're really dangerous. So, and and they've got so much quality as well coming off the bench that even in matches where maybe they're not, they haven't set the tournament alight, you still feel like they've got goals in them and like they can do damage whilst at the same time being split at the back. So I think they're definitely, you know, big favourites to get to the final. And with home advantage right now, they, they possibly are the favourites for the tournament. Um, but uh, yeah, for the time being, I'm still going to worry about Spain. <laughs> Yeah, that's sensible, obviously, taking it one step at a time. How, how about you, James? Um, you know, really good performance from England, particularly in the second half. And uh, as you say, Harry Kane clicking into gear. We're seeing Raheem Sterling, you know, possibly a contender for player of the tournament right now. Um, everything coming coming into place for, for England? Well, yeah, I was thinking about that, actually, because, uh, well, about the player of the tournament kind of shout, um, because I actually think Spinazzola had a real shout of being player of the tournament so far. And I was racking my brain thinking, hey, well, I mean, Sterling has been the, the, the kind of a game winner, the match winner at times for England. But if you watch him, he, I mean, he had a good performance against Croatia. He was decent last night, but on the whole, he hasn't been particularly great. Um, I mean that could that can be a kind of a, a personification of England really in, on the on the whole they've kind of plodded a, plodded along kind of without really doing doing a lot and as I said before they, they haven't necessarily been the best team at this tournament but the best team doesn't really tend to win tournaments um, so that yeah England just it's strange to see as kind of a someone who's watched England kind of throughout their life and seen many kind of things. Or many tournaments kind of just go by the better by the wayside without really impacting on them at all. It is strange to see England really looking like a, a threat, but I I still think Italy. I think Italy are the favourites for the tournament, and I think England really do have to be careful about Denmark. Um, home advantage is massive, and I think the four teams that have qualified for the semi-finals all played the all their group games at home, which obviously is is a big thing. Um, I think England will never have a better chance to win it, although we said that at the World Cup um, in Russia, but it, it really does feel like it, it, everything's coming together for them. And that might just suit Denmark. They'll just go there as a kind of, uh, as underdogs, like we've said, they've got real quality throughout the team. England have players who have, have won things at the top level throughout the squad. They'll know not to take them lightly, but I do just wonder whether with everything around the match and um, with the kind of the atmosphere and, and the build-up. I do wonder whether one or two might just get slightly carried away or take the right off the ball a little bit and that'll play right into Denmark's hands. So um, it, it's a nice open tournament at the minute that the four left, you can't really pick an out-and-out clear favourite. So it, it's it's been good in that respect. All the, all the teams that you'd usually have put there um, have, have really fallen out. So... Yeah, I think England have as good a shout as anybody, but for me, Italy, uh, Italy are still the favourites for it. The way they've played and, and and everything, I think England just have to be careful about taking the eye off the ball slightly. 
Yeah, I think England are maybe slight favourites with the bookies. I, I guess that a lot of that is to do with home advantage. Um, but yeah, as you say, a very open tournament. I think, you know, probably all four of these sides could win it. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see how it pans out, obviously, on Tuesday and Wednesday night. So I'm going to I'm going to ask for predictions from both of you uh, for these two semi-final clashes coming up. Uh, so Tuesday, we have Italy v Spain. What do you think, Francesco? Are Italy going to make that final? Oh, Sam, I, I don't. Uh, yes, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's not a prediction, Francesco. I know. I don't want to give a prediction. I don't want to jinx it. I, I feel like, uh, I, you know, I feel like they're playing really well, and this maybe isn't the best Spain sides certainly that we've seen in the last ten years, or you know, not not the kind of sides that had Xavi and Iniesta in. But I do think Spain have. Um, have a good side and I, I think like I said that the matchup is tricky for Italy so I do expect it to be tough um, but yeah I think Italy do have a good chance we'll see what happens and how about you James I said penalties before and I think it, I think it'll go down to penalties I think it'll be a, either a nil-nil or a 1-1 and I think it'll be penalties and I think Donnarumma will be the hero this time for Italy so, Francesco, I'll do it for you. Italy are going through. There we go. Well, we're, I hope you're right, you, guys, you guys are hoping for Italy. And then, uh, obviously, on Wednesday, we have England, Denmark. England entering as favourites. Do you expect them to come through that one, Francesco? Yeah, I think I think they are just, just a better side than Denmark. I mean, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a tougher game than the, than the Ukraine game. I think Denmark are probably a, a better, more solid side and... We've mentioned that they have some really good players, but England at the moment look look really confident, and I do think they're they're a stronger team. So yeah, I expect England to come through that one. And how about you, James? Do you think England are going to be in that final? Crikey, yeah. Um, I think, like I say, that the thing they really do need to be careful of is just taking their eye off the ball and being guilty of of thinking they're there already, which, which you know, Southgate has never struck me as a, as a manager who will allow his players to do that. And as I said, there's, there's players, I think Henderson's absolutely key in that he, in the experience of, of winning things that he has, even if he's not in the side, um, he's such a kind of a, a leader amongst the squad. So I'd be surprised if they do that, but I do think that they could just get slightly swept up in the kind of the, the mania at Wembley. So, I don't know. I think I do think they'll just about do it. I think they'll just about do it. Yeah. And what a final that'll set up, by the way. Italy, England. What a final that is. Francesco's. Uh, I mean, what what would you do in that? I guess you're an Italy fan through and through, Francesco. Yeah. Yes, is there any yeah. kind of sentiment towards England at all? Not not in this context, no. No. But in terms of England, do you support England against Denmark? Surely. Um, well, I'm I'm thinking it. Uh, I'm thinking about it through the eyes of an, of an Italy fan, and um, really, you want. Uh, I know it's nice to beat the big teams, but you want to play the easy sides. So, uh, you know, I just to like see have... England, just to see England there. Surely, it would be I mean, some occasion, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it would. It would be. Uh, it would be exciting. I don't know if I could uh, deal with it. It'd be too much for me. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, Sam. I wanted to know what you thought about the two games. Are you? What, have you got any predictions? I I fully expect Italy to come through the Spain game. I I think it might 
not be as tough as some people think. I, I'm, I'm not convinced by this Spanish team that much. And I can't see Morata getting the better of Bonucci and Chiellini, really. I think Morata's been really poor this tournament. Um, but maybe maybe he'll step it up against his teammates. Um, and as you say, I think the England-Denmark game will be tough. I think England might finally concede a goal, but I yeah. think they'll probably just edge to like a 2-1 win, maybe. Those would be my predictions. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, well, thanks for joining me, guys. Let's hope we are previewing an Italy-England game later on in the week. Um, but we'll, let's see how they pan out. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, so thanks for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we shall speak to you soon. All right, goodbye, guys.